Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. This morning, I am just so, so happy to continue um, our Christmas series that we started last week. I want to say um, thank you to uh, all of those that helped to to, to Mr. Page, to Kwame Wright for preparing the Christmas choir and all that the kids, the team has done for that. And also, again, so many people worked. There was a very special team that worked on preparing our, uh, our party today. And so I just want to start by this. It may be damp, it may be dark, and it may be, may be dreary, but that's all right because we are merry and bright. All right. Come on, let's do that one again. It may be damp, it may be dark, and it may be dreary, but that's all right, because we are merry and bright. You know, this morning, I want to let you know that as Christians, we are not controlled by what goes on the outside. We're not controlled by what's going on on the outside, because we have something on the inside. We can still have a party on the inside, even when everything around isn't going so well, right? We're not controlled by outward circumstances. And I just want to say today that as a church family, we're not going to be controlled by the rain. We're still going to have a party after church. All right? We, we're having to move it from the outside in the parking lot to the inside. But we're still going to have a party. We're still going to have chili. We're still going to have mac and cheese. We're still going to have, I think, even try to have some snow in here. We're still going to have s'mores. We're still going to have a live nativity. We're still going to have the whole party, just an inside version of it. I told uh, Liz the other day, well, if it rains, it'll just be like our wedding. Because we had, we had this whole beautiful wedding and reception planned for, for outside. And uh, where we lived in Mexico, it was the middle of monsoon season. And so, you know, it looked like the weather was going to be okay on that day. And it was fine. And we got through our ceremony. It was beautiful. It was perfect weather. And as soon as we did our first dance, the heavens opened up and it started to flood, right? And we had to move our whole party, our whole reception inside, but we still had a good old shindig. It was a lot of fun. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a lot of fun, but inside. So don't leave after church. Stay for lunch and stay for the party. Cool? King of Kings. We started last Sunday, and we're going to continue today, and then we're going to finish it up next Sunday, our Christmas series, King of Kings. Psalm 97.1 says, the Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. When you know that the Lord is king, you get to have a joy that nobody else can have. Are we in here rejoicing this morning? Because Jesus is king, right? First Timothy 6.15 says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only, only almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Christmas is all about receiving a clear Revelation, a clear 
visible, if you will, visible revelation of the invisible God. That's really what Christmas was all about and what Christmas is all about. And my prayer for you today and through this series, uh, King of Kings series, is that Jesus Christ would be clearly revealed in you. Come on, tell somebody next to you, you got to see him today. Receive the revelation for yourself. See, that's what Christmas is really all about. It's about seeing and knowing Jesus. Last week, we started, and, and we've kind of been going along with this song, King of Kings, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, you know? And we learned that the Trinity... Some people say the Trinity is three in one. Some people say the Trinity is one in three. But actually, by definition, that word Trinity is both three in one and one in three. He's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is one God, right? The one and only God. And he's the one and only God revealed, who has revealed himself as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Come on, say three in one and one in three. Now, uh, just like, you know, I, I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Just like one shell, white, and yolk, right? A shell, a white, and a yolk make up one egg. One egg is made of a shell, a white, and a yolk. Just as I am body, soul, and spirit, but it's just one me, right? Thank God it's just one me. One me is expressed through body, soul, and spirit. And we were made in the image of God. And so even as we take a look at ourselves, body, soul, and spirit, we can get sort of a picture of what God looks like. He's three in one, and he's one in three. And we call that the, didn't mean to rhyme on that one, but we're rhyming again. Come on, he's three in one, and he's one in three. And we call that the Trinity. All right. Romans 1, 4 says this. Jesus was shown to be the son of God, the son of God. There's the son and the father. When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here we have father, son, and Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then last week we did this. And yes, I'm going to make you do it again because uh, movement helps you learn, especially some people learn better by this. All right. So are we ready? Those of you that were here last week, you know what we're about to do. And those of you that weren't here last week, you're about to find out what we're about to do. All right. Ready? Can we say father? father. Oh, you can do better than that. Come on. Let's say father. father. Got to go around with it. All right. Not just up and down, but you got to go around. Let's do that one more time. Father. Son, which is where we're going today. Son, like point at him. There he is, son. And then Holy Spirit, right? Okay, all together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We began to learn last week um, this series, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We learned about the Father, right? We learned that our Father, that God is has revealed himself as the Father, our Father in the heavens, which most people say Father in heaven or Heavenly Father. But what that really means is God, 
our Father who literally permeates the atmosphere. He's in the very air that we breathe. He's not way off up yonder in heaven somewhere far away. He is in the air that we breathe. Literally, his name, Yahweh, was described by ancient rabbis as like breathing, saying his name was like breathing. The Bible says in him we live, we move, we have our existence. In other words, everything you do, everywhere you go, right now, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go home, when you're eating, when you're at the restaurant, when you're at the grocery store, yes, even when you're in the bathroom, you are in the Father. He's everywhere, all the time. He's in the very air that you breathe. In fact, the Bible clearly shows us that life itself is his breath, right? It's the breath of life, right? So that's the Father. And we learn that also he is our supplier. That's just who he is. He is a supplier. He supplies everything that the universe needs, everything that every person needs, even people that don't know him, even people that don't love him. God supplies life and breath, right? The Bible says he even, he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He, he's the supplier and he's very specially, we learned, if you're in a relationship with him as father through Jesus Christ, he describes himself as Abba. Everybody say Abba. That's the Bible word for more than just the Father, but my Father, or even Daddy. Kind of, it's, a, it's an affectionate way of saying Father, right? So we learned that about the Father, and today we're going to get a visible physical view of this invisible God, the Father, we're going to see him visibly and physically. Are you ready? Because that is exactly what happened when Jesus came. I want to read, uh, Kevin read it this morning during our worship, and I'm going to read several scriptures here, uh, several verses from Isaiah chapter 9, and before I read it, I want to point something out that many of you probably already know, but if you didn't know, this is so powerful. Isaiah was a prophet who lived about 700 years B.C., right? We all know what B.C. is. Before Jesus came physically into the earth, he prophesied this. Someone who had never seen Jesus, in fact, he could have never seen him because he lived 700 years before Jesus ever came. Do you want to read what Isaiah prophesied? I'm glad some of you want to read it. We're all going to read it. Are you ready? Isaiah 9, let's start with verse 1. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good already right there. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who walk in darkness will get merry and bright. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Aren't you glad you didn't have to be in the light to see the light? Aren't you glad that it was okay that we were in darkness when the light came? Because that's how we were able to see the light. 
said those that walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, the light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You'll break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There'll be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. For a child is born to whom? To us. Not just to her that we later know is Mary. No, no, no. This child is born unto us, right? A son is given to whom? To us. He came for us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Who will be called? It's the child, right? Jesus, he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Does this say the child will be called the everlasting father? It does because that's who Jesus is. Prince of peace. Let's keep reading. His government and its peace will never end. He'll rule with the fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I'm so glad that the coming of the Savior didn't depend on me making it happen. It was the Father's heart. It was the Father's burden. It was the Father's plan to come and rescue and save and redeem us. And here it says that the child that would be born would be called the everlasting Father. Wonderful counselor. Who else is called the counselor in the Bible? Who did Jesus call the counselor? Oh, the Holy Spirit. There's the the Trinity right there in Isaiah, right? You got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And Isaiah's prophesying, but he's going to come as a human. He's going to come as a child. He's going to be born unto us, right? So everybody say, "Praise praise the Son. Look at what it says in Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. It's Rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His, flame, his eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name on him, a name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the Finest of purple white linen followed him on white horses. This is a person who's called the word of God. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He'll rule them with an iron rod. He'll release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title. King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Come on, say, King of kings. Praise the Son. See, the Word of God is God. It's very important that we grasp that reality, that truth today. The Word of God was 
and is God. It's not like God and his word are separate thing, right? Is, you know, your word is you, right? My word is me. My word isn't somebody or something else. My word is simply a part of me. My word is part of my being, my, my essence. Your word is your expression. And so every time you read this statement, word of God, rather it's referring to the written word of God or the person of the word of God, right? What it's referring to is the visible or physical expression of God. Are you with me? Right? Like, the, my word expresses what's already going on on the inside of me, right? It should anyway, right? Because what we speak, we already thought. And what we thought was part of our soul, right? Are we following along? Your word is actually you. Come on, tell your neighbor, your word is you. And you are your word. And see, God's word is God, and God is God's word. Now look what it says in John chapter 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed. Now we, we, we have he, not just a descriptive the word of God now it's he existed in the beginning with God God created everything through him and we know that that God spoke everything his word created everything right and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it God sent a man John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony John himself was not the light he was simply a witness to tell about the light the the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world so so we're, we're 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 beginning to see the fulfillment of what we just read in Isaiah right he was coming he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, as in the people of Israel that he had specifically chosen as a people to whom uh, reveal himself, and then through them to reveal himself to the whole world. Even they didn't recognize him. The very people who knew the word better than anybody else, they didn't recognize the word. Come on. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all, come on, somebody say, all. All who believed him and accepted him. I hope that's you this morning. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. We're born again when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the word became flesh or human wow go back to isaiah right here comes the child the father the counselor the prince of peace the king all right now he's here and 
and the word of God, God himself, right? We've already established that God's word is God and God is God's word, right? So when the word of God, when the word of God became human and made his home among us, God himself, all that God is, not a part of God, not a little bit of God, not most of God, all that God is literally was breathed into a human body so that we could physically, visibly see him. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. He could have been full of a lot of other things towards me. How about you? But he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. When Jesus came, God gave us a visible, physical revelation of himself. Almighty God, the Father that we learned about last Sunday. Almighty God, the omniscient one, the omnipresent one, right? The omnipotent one. Almighty God spoke all that he was, right? into a human body to give us like a complete view of himself. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. That's what God looks like. Jesus came to be the visible expression of almighty God. Colossians 1:15 through 20 says it like this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. I love that. God who is the Father in the heavens, who is the Spirit that we cannot see, right? The invisible God, that, that, that we see His work all around us. We see Him working all around us. We see the, His very power upholding the universe and upholding life, right? But it's invisible, right? Well, Christ came to be the visible image so that we could see what God really Looks like he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. Are you seeing this? Are you beginning to get a visible picture of what God looks like? It says God partially was pleased to live in Christ. 97.3% of the father was pleased to live in, like almost, no, no, no. It says God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, through whom? Through whom? Jesus, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. Let that hit you. He didn't just send some word from heaven to reconcile everything and everyone to himself. No, no, no. He literally came into our shoes. He came into our dirty world. He got on our level. He identified with us. He said, this is what I look like. And doing that, he reconciled us back to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. See, the Passion Translation of 
Colossians 1.15 where it says the visible image of the invisible God. It says that Jesus Christ is the divine portrait, right? He's the divine portrait. In other words, through Jesus, we get a clear picture of the Father, his heart, and his plan. Let me tell you, the Father's heart and the Father's plan was this one word that we just read, and it is reconciliation. Everybody say reconciliation. Come on, say it again. Reconciliation. He, the, the Father's heart and the Father's burden and the Father's plan, even from before the beginning of time, from before we were ever born, from before we ever sinned and were separated from him, he already knew that that would happen. He knew that he would give us free will, that, that we didn't have to disobey him, but that we would. He knew and even then, he already had a plan to come back. And so that we would no longer be separated, he would bring us back to himself. And the plan was that he himself would come as one of us. He would breathe all that he was and is into a human body. He would show up in this dirty, nasty, sinful world. And in that way, we could see him and seeing him go to the cross and die a criminal's death in our place, shed his blood, and then rise from the grave, and then ascend back into heaven. We would see what God is really like and our hearts would turn back to him. It's called reconciliation. That our relationship that had been broken, severed, destroyed because of sin, that would be taken out of the way through the cross of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and we would have an open door to come right back into relationship with God as our Father once again. Through Jesus... We see Jesus carrying the burden of the Father's heart and carrying out the Father's plan. He talks about it all through his word. But when you look at Jesus, you are seeing God's heart and God's burden and God's plan take place. That's why Jesus came. Come on one more time. Say reconciliation. Now, in your bulletin there, I want to ask you if you'd kind of take a look there closer to the middle towards the bottom. You have one through seven, okay? Because don't worry, I'm not about to preach a seven-point sermon after all of this, all right? I want to tell you, in a series of events, what happened when Jesus came, all right? Come on, say Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> but really, <laughs> without the blood of Jesus, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, right? When Jesus came into the world, there are seven things that he did, okay? And they're verbs. Remember what verbs are? Actions, right? Not just, not just ideas. They're actions, right? So you have a list there, one through seven. I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to go through them. Ready? When Jesus came, he, okay, he covered all the bases. Literally what happened was the invisible God entered into our visible earthly reality, and he, number one, descended. Number two, he lived. Number three, he suffered. Number four, he died. Number five, he rose. Number six, he ascended. And number seven, he sat down. 
come on without saying the numbers. Let's just say the seven words in a row. This is what Jesus physically with his action visibly did for us. Ready? He descended, lived, suffered, died, rose, ascended, and sat down. You ready to run with this? Are you ready to run with this so we can eat some chili? All right, I'm ready. But this is way, way, way more important than the chili. This is way more important than the s'mores. You've got to get this today. You've got to see Jesus. First of all, Jesus descended. Now, careful with the word descended because when we say descended, it almost sounds like he was way, 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 way far away up there and came down. And I mean, yeah, there's some, some I guess, truth to that sense of the word. But in reality, what Jesus did was that he entered into, right? When he descended, he came from light into darkness. He came from glory, the glory of heaven, into the dirty earth. He came into our reality, and he came with a mission. That mission was to rescue us. He came. He descended. Number two, he lived. I just find that amazing. He could have just come and, I don't know, press the redemption button. Right? I mean, he could have. No, but he came, he descended into our reality, and then he lived surrounded by our reality. He, he got into our shoes. He got into our sandals. <laughs> he identified with us. In fact, we read in the word that he was tempted just like we are in every way. Did you know the God of the universe came and lived in a, in a same kind of body that we live and lived in the same world that we live in and he faced the same things that we face? He was tempted in every way. We are tempted, yet he was without sin, right? He lived, but he overcame. And because he lived... And he overcame because he was tempted and did not sin. His holiness made him the perfect sacrifice that could be offered for our sin. Because he, did, he, wasn't, ju he wasn't just holy. He came and lived holy in our world. And that made him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We also know, number three, that he suffered he suffered the rejection of his own people. We just read it in John chapter 1. He suffered rejection. He suffered for our sicknesses. The Bible says he carried our infirmities in his own body. And by his wounds, by the stripes that he received, we were healed. He suffered. He was tortured. He was punished, the Bible says, for our rebellion. And he... The culmination of his suffering is he was crucified. He was carried off like the worst of worst criminals. He was tortured to the uttermost. And then he was nailed to a cross and raised up along the side of a busy road with a placard at the top of the cross declaring that he was a criminal. He suffered crucifixion and public humiliation for us. And then, number four, he died. He died. He paid the price. I don't know if you get that today. This means so much to me. He paid the price that I couldn't pay. 
Because if I die for my own sins, there was nothing to offer in that death. Are, are you with me? The Bible says that the payment for sin is death. So I, a sinful person, you, a sinful person, our death really wouldn't have meant anything except just punishment, right? But when he died, he died in our place. When he was nailed to the cross and he died there, he took our death upon himself. And he died for us. He died in our place. And when he died, he broke the curse of death. The Bible says... That the devil had the power of death. Another verse describes death as the sting, right? The sting of sin. And when Jesus died, he took the sting upon himself. He took our death upon himself. And when he did, the power of the devil was broken and I want to declare that over all of our lives today. If you are in Christ, if you believe Jesus died on the cross, the power of the devil, the power of darkness, the power of sin has not only been paid for, the power has been broken. He defeated sin and death and sickness. And then number five, he rose. And when he rose... I love the fact that he didn't just die, that he rose. He didn't just pay the price of death. Then he went and he beat death. He defeated death itself. He said, I'm going to take their punishment upon myself. I'm going to pay the price that they cannot pay. And once I do that, then I'm going to put it under my feet and I'm going to beat it myself. And Jesus rose from the grave. And when he did, he won the permanent victory forever. Come on. He is truly the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And I like to call him the champion of all champions. He won the victory and it's a permanent victory forever and ever. And then he ascended. We know that after he rose from the grave for a period of a few weeks, he appeared to Many people, he appeared to his, not only his 12 disciples, but to many other people, right? Jesus appeared. And then he, the Bible says that they were all gathered. And he gave them his final words, his last instructions, which, by the way, Encounter Church, what were Jesus' last instructions? Go and make disciples. Go and preach this good news. And make disciples of all nations, right? So when he ascended, he called us and gave us a purpose. Are you with me? When he ascended back into heaven, the last thing he did was he called us and he gave us a purpose. And the purpose is to share the good news with the whole world and to make disciples of him, right? You know what else the Bible says happened when Jesus ascended? It says, I believe it's Ephesians. It says, when he ascended, he distributed gifts. And, and I love that imagery because if you think of Descend, descending and ascending. It's kind of like in the spirit, he was going back up. And as he went up, he was dishing it out, right? As he was going up, the Bible says when he ascended, he distributed gifts to his people, to his family called the church, right? He formed a family when he ascended. When he was on the earth, he made disciples and they followed him. But when he 
ascended, he called all disciples, all the nations of the world to come to him through the good news. He formed a family. He gave us purpose and he distributed gifts. And finally, this might be my favorite part of all. The Bible says that when he ascended into heaven, he didn't need to stand up anymore. Because Jesus is the king. There's nothing more kingly than the one with maximum authority just to take a seat. He sat down. It was done. It was finished. He sat, the Bible says, he in the spirit, in, in the heavenlies, he sits at the right hand of the Father, which designates him as the one with the power, the one with the authority, right? That's what the right hand means. He sat down in the place, in the seat of authority, and this is why I say it's my favorite part. What did Jesus tell, and, and we're, we're almost done with this, all right? What did Jesus tell his disciples when he said, it's, you don't want me to go. You're sad because what I told you, I'm going to go to the cross. But it's better for me to go. It's better for me to go because when I do, I'm going to send somebody. Who was it? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven, that's why he told him to wait. Remember? Right before he ascended, he said, don't go anywhere. Wait until the promise comes, the Father's promise Wait, and then he ascended into heaven. And when he sat down, he poured out his Holy Spirit on us. And now the Holy Spirit isn't just in the air moving around us or not just with us. Literally, the Holy Spirit of God comes upon us and to live on the inside of us, to be our companion and our counselor and our guide. He came to be our helper. When he sat down, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And now, you guys, are you, are you ready for this one? Because he sat down... Now we can stand up, so stand up. When Jesus sat down, he poured his Holy Spirit out on his people. Now we can stand up. What do I mean by that? Because now we have the Spirit of God with us, in us. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, he's upon you. And you can stand for him. You can stand up for him in this world. You can be a messenger of the good news. You can take the message of the gospel to your family, to your friends, to your world. You can stand up. You can be used by God. Because Jesus sat down and sent the Holy Spirit upon us. He did it all. The plan was totally fulfilled. The work is totally finished. Jesus provided everything you and I will ever need. Do we agree? He covered all the bases. He did it all. He descended. He lived. He suffered. He died. He rose. He ascended. And he sat down. And now we stand up with him and for him. In fact, Colossians 2, 9, I'm going to end with this. 9 and 10 say, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who's the head over every ruler and authority.
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.